Hey everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Avila, and today's guest is comedian Jan McInnes. And on this episode, Jan talks about starting a career in marketing early on, kind of falling into this career, but realizing that she had this passion for comedy and she discusses overcoming her fear and jumping into comedy and even being on the Jay Leno show um, or auditioning for the Jay Leno show. She talks about kind of pioneering her own way in comedy into corporate comedy. And we get into a really fun conversation about deciding what level you want to reach in your career. So not just what levels are available to you, but which level do you actually want? Do you want to reach that top level or do you want to stay somewhere else? And you can find her in multiple places. You can find her at theworklady.com, at comedymc.com, and at joke-writer.com. And we'll put all that in our social media if you're interested. So without further ado, please enjoy Jan McInnes. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Career Journey Podcast, where we explore exciting careers and how to get them from the people who've lived it. I'm your host, Brittany Avila. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Good, I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Um, so we usually just like to start from the very beginning um, to see kind of how your journey has taken you. So did you have any idea of what you wanted to be when you were a child? You know, I always wanted to be a comedian, but I was never the uh, class clown. I always, uh, I, but you know, um, senior year when you were like, uh, you got those superlatives like best dressed and most athletic right. and better than you and all that. Um, my friend <laughs> said, well, you know, sometimes you say, say funny stuff, so I'm going to put you down as funniest. And, um, so I got two votes, me and Judy, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, when, uh, when I went to my class reunion, she was the only one who said, Oh, you're a comedian. That's perfect. Everyone else was like, really? You're still living at home with your parents where you're not famous. <laughs> um, then I went to the same uh, high school that uh, Warren Beatty and Shirley MacLaine and uh, Sandra Bullock, Bullock went to, and oh, wow. uh, they didn't, they didn't win their superlatives either. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I wanted to, and I, I but because I thought it sounded like a fun job, you know, and um, mm -hmm. went on to, uh, but I went and went on to college and graduated from Virginia Tech with a BA in communications. And I remember sitting at dinner with my family at the restaurant that night for my graduation dinner and thinking, now is not the time to tell them I want to be a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I went into the, um, into a nine to five marketing job, uh, worked for the government and for some, uh, oh, wow. corporate for about, uh, 12 years or so, uh, had a few starts and stops in comedy, uh, tried open mics, did a classes. I tried one open mic in the eighties and man, I, I it went great. I mean, it really went great. And uh, afterwards I'm leaving. I was so freaked out by the lights in your face that you can't see the audience or anything. Yeah. I'm leaving the club and, uh, what this professional comedian came up to me and grabbed my hand and he said, please, please do this again. You have to. And I waited eight years. I missed the whole comedy boom. Boom. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So a few love starts and stops, and finally, I uh, finally I took the plunge and got on stage um, at another open mic. I did the Jay Leno comedy challenge. Uh, it was big. It was a big contest in the nineties that uh, Leno was trying to get an unknown comedian on the show. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and so he they had these contests all around the country, and I still had my marketing job, but I you know I had taken a comedy class and had wanted to do it and. Um, and so I, I, I didn't know anything about 
this contest. I didn't know anything about performing. And they said, send in a three minute tape. And so it was, you had to have it postmarked by the day after Thanksgiving, a Friday evening. And so I thought, well, my, you know, I don't have any jokes, but um, I had done an open mic, that open mic eight years earlier. I had a couple of those jokes. And then I, uh, so I thought, well, my family does funny stuff at Thanksgiving. I'll just, you know, write down some of that. <laughs> that was the one Thanksgiving my family did not do anything funny. <laughs> they, um, so I got home that night and I uh, thought, well, you know, I don't have any jokes. And so the next morning I thought, I woke up and thought, well, I'm not doing this contest because that's, you know, I don't have anything. I have just jokes from eight years ago. And I rolled over and I started to fall asleep and this weirdest thing happened all, I, I used to travel a lot for trade shows for my company, my marketing company, or the company I worked for. And um, I had collected, they give away gifts. And one of the big gifts that year had been alarm clocks. And I never used an alarm clock, but they, I'd stuffed them in this drawer. And all of a sudden, all the alarm clocks went off. Oh my gosh. It was wild. And I mean, I'd never used them. And by the time I got them turned off and found out what was, <laughs> I was awake and I thought, well, I'll write some jokes, I guess. So I literally, I didn't know any, I borrowed a mini cassette tape recorder from my dad. I didn't even have a video to, I didn't know you're supposed to do video. And, <laughs> and I walked around my condo. I lived in Virginia out right outside DC at the time in Alexandria. And I walked around my condo telling these jokes I wrote that morning into the tape recorder. And, and including a couple jokes from my eight years earlier. And uh, I, I'm, um, I remember mailing them in and the next week I got a call oh, and wow. they, they were like, I said, how many people signed up? Cause they were doing the contest in three different clubs, Maryland, DC, Virginia. And I got a call to be on stage in the Virginia club. I'm like, how many people tried to get in this stupid contest? If you're calling me. And the woman's like, we had over a hundred people and we're picking like 15. Oh, and wow. we loved your jokes. I'm like, really? And so I know. So I was like, okay. So they booked me in the Virginia contest. And Monday was the first night of the Maryland contest. So it was on the local news, you know. And so I watched the news and I'm watching it. And they go, yeah, uh, professional comedians are all trying to get on the Tonight Show. I remember going, professional? <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap, I'm not a professional. I was terrified. I practiced. I, wa I mean, I was up all night worried for the next night for my show. I practiced with a light shining in my eye because I remembered from eight years earlier how scary it was that I couldn't see anyone. And I, I was terrified. I got to the show and there was like, you know, 12 of us or whatever. And um, I I ended up, uh, I didn't know any, I mean, everyone there was a professional but me. We get in there in the little huddle with the comedians. They decide who go, they pick a, numbers. I didn't know how they picked to go on stage. They go, we're going to pick to go on stage. And I said, I want to go fourth. And everyone looked at me <laughs> like I'm an idiot because they draw, you know, right. <laughs> and, I stupid, and they're like, no, you, 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 we draw. And I ended up getting like fourth and I went on and I didn't win, but I got written up in the newspaper the next day with one of my jokes. And a nice. woman, after, I remember a woman after the, the show came over and said, you got to do this. It's really good. And I got, written up in the newspaper and it still took me another year before I got back on stage. But, um, yeah, nobody saw the newspaper article cause my mom bought all the copies, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the long short of it. It took, a, I was a lot of starts and stops and really it took a long time to get, uh, get finally get on stage. And then when I finally did a year later, I just thought I'm going on one more open mic. This is it. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm a marketing person. 
and I got on and, um, I, it was, I remember it was just killing. I was doing really great. And I, I had to do five minutes and about three minute mark. I, I couldn't remember the rest of my act. And I remember this little voice in my head saying, get off stage. You're laughing. Just stop. You don't have to do five. And I did. And I sat down and I'm just thinking there, God, I want to do this again. No, I'm not, you know, that was it. I'm not doing this anymore. And I got a tap on the shoulder and it was the, um, the MC. And he said, uh, Hey, call Pat tomorrow. I said, who's Pat? He said, Pat is the, um, Booker, she caught your act. She wants to give you some MC work. And nice. that was it. I mean, that was the epiphany. I remember walking out that night thinking I'm going to be a comedian. That's it. And uh, I took two and a half years before I quit my day job, but I did and went into comedy and now keynote. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then I want to come back to all of that because that's obviously your yeah. career now. But how did you decide to do like communications in college? Was that partly because you thought it might help with comedy or were you I more didn't. into the marketing? I just did not know what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was I just had no idea, and it, I liked talking. And I, I was on the, I was a DJ at the local radio station, and or at the college WUVT, Wuvit, Virginia Tech. I was a DJ there once a week, and I liked it. I thought, well, I, I don't know what I want to do when I get out. So this is kind of a broad, general wishy-washy. <laughs> and actually, I took a lot. Lot. Yeah. I took a lot of classes thinking I was going to be behind the camera and I took a lot of, you know, camera classes mm -hmm. there. And, uh, um, I ended up being in front of the camera. <laughs> Do you think that experience of learning everything behind the camera helps you in front of the camera? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think every, everything, um, Steve Jobs has a great quote. He says, life does not make sense until you look at it backwards. And that is right. so true. You know, it, you look back and go that everything falls in place and um, comes together. So, yeah. Nice. And then how did you choose marketing and going in? Because you were, you said you were in that field for about eight years. Uh, 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. I, you know, yeah. it, it chose me again. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, um, I was a tour guide in DC for summers between college. So when I graduated, I kind of was doing, I had about four different jobs working as tour guides and doing all sorts of different stuff like that. But I really didn't have a career. And a friend of mine, I was also a tour guide. She was a year or two younger than me. We were partying one night and I ended up staying at her house, crashing on the couch. And her mom came downstairs um, that morning. It was Monday. And she's like, what the hell are you sleeping on the couch? And I, I said, well, she goes, don't you have to go to work? I said, I don't have a job. And she, she went, she worked for the government. She worked for the national ocean service. And within a week I had a job. Oh, wow. <laughs> she got me a job in her marketing department at the national ocean service. Uh, and uh, Ruth Barrett just gave me a huge leg up and I was there for a year. And then I moved on to working in uh, uh, national Academy of sciences at in the original planet earth television series. Um, nice. She got me a connection over there and it was me and another woman co coordinated the whole series uh, at uh, the Academy of Sciences. And then after that, I was unemployed for a little bit and I read a newspaper article about our ad about a marketing job and I applied and I got this marketing director job. <laughs> so it's all just, uh, my dad looks at me that when I got the job, he's like, I've never seen someone land on their feet like you do. <laughs> and just all these serious things. All of a sudden I was doing marketing uh, for, um, uh, an association. And then I got another marketing and association job and then I became a comedian. So, <laughs> and you said you had a lot of starts and stops with your kind of comedian work. Yeah. 
Do you think that was just because of your other jobs or because you were nervous? Like, nervous. Why you- really, I, when I went on stage and did the lights, the lights were in my eyes and I just right. freaked out. And so, th- and then I took a, a class that was, and I think, no, I took that class before, actually before I went on stage that first time, but it was in a little classroom, you know, and it was a guy like an evening class for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one night a week for a couple of weeks. And he was a comedian and he taught this class. And at the end of it, we had to have a, uh, a five minute um, uh, comedy show written, you know? And so I did my, and we, he had judges, it was a contest and he had judges, his wife and his girlfriend were the judges. And I did the, my, you know, my bit and they loved it. The class loved it. And afterwards the wife and girlfriend came over and said, you got to do this. So then I went on stage at the open mic, freaked out by the lights, freaked out. And, uh, and I never thought of myself as a comedian, you know, it's, I didn't have, um, family in it. I didn't have people that did it. I was not an entertainment family. So you don't know, there's not really a set path. You know, if you want to be a, if you want to be a marketing person or a lawyer or a doctor or something, there's a way to do that. Uh, nobody lays it out for you as in comedy and it's kind of hit or miss. So, you know, I freaked out on the lights, stayed away for it from eight years um, but but that helped me. The marketing job really helped me because when I did eventually launch my comedy career, my marketing was better than my act, <laughs> and, which is imperative nowadays. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and you know there was no internet, so it was. Uh, I I got gigs and I got better because you got to get good or get get out. And yeah, um, so I I got better, but you know I had some good marketing skills and I had business skills which a lot of comedians, I had so many club owners say nice things like, um, well, Mark Ridley up at the comedy castle in Detroit said, I like working with you, Jan, because you're not, you are professional. You don't come in and drink up the whole bar. And if you say you'll do five minutes, you'll, you know, for a guest set, you'll do a five minute guest set. You don't show up out of the blue asking for a guest set. You know, if you're doing 30 minutes or 45 minutes on stage, that's what you do. You do your time. And he was really, you know, he said, it's, it's all the professional things that you don't get if you aren't, uh, in a business environment that um, you might mess up on. I think a right. lot of very talented comedians mess up on the easy stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's probably something that benefited you from not being in that world or having family ties to it that you didn't know that that was maybe more common. Right, right. I mean, you know, if you don't, um, yeah, I, I didn't, you make a lot of mistakes and you you kind of, um, my friend Rob and I used to say it was kind of good to be naive because you do stuff that you don't know you're not supposed to do. <laughs> right. You no, know? and you and sometimes you kind of stumble into it and go, "Wow, I shouldn't have called that guy, but I did and now I got this work and <laughs> you know, and and Yeah, so you don't have that fear. You, yeah, you don't have that fear or that predetermined um, you know, wow, that won't work or that's not how you do it. I see so many people who are in LA, you know, you come out and you've got the set way to do things. They, you know, when I moved out here, I was told, "Okay, you got to buy this mailing list for of, you know, 300 agents for a hundred bucks or, or, and you got to mail out a postcard to them and get them to come to a show of yours. And this is a formula. And I tried it once and it was awful. It was, uh, I mailed out my, I bought my, I got my, set up myself on a, a showcase. I got some postcards. I bought the list. I mailed it. I got one response from a guy who I kind of already knew. And he said, no, he wasn't coming out. And I thought, this is a, this is a horrible way to do this. So um, maybe it works for other people, but you know, we, you tend not to think outside the box if you're, if you're, um, if you think you know it. So being naive is good. Right. 
And so what happened after that, I kind of hesitate to call it, but that big break where all of a sudden you were kind of thrust in and you decided you actually wanted to go into comedy? What? Yeah. Um, well, I so my best friend Rob was also uh, an open micer. A bunch of it, we kind of met a lot of us open micers. And once I walked out thinking that's it, um, I started uh, talking to other people about work and, and I started working some of the local gigs. There's a, in the DC area, there was, four or five clubs that you could work, um, you know, get MC work and get spots on. And then there was things called one nighters, which are like bar gigs. And you could go up and down the East coast working on those. And my friend Rob got a, um, got booked in a club in, um, Virginia beach, Virginia. And I remember thinking, God, it, it didn't occur to me to go to somewhere outside DC area. So I sent my tape too. And was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and that started getting work on the East coast, quite a bit of MC work, kind of moving a little bit into feature that I don't know if you know comedy clubs it's MC feature headliner is the three level okay. uh, or M opener middle and and closer are the three levels and so I was doing um you know MC work pretty I, I pretty much was doing a, a got into it pretty quick got hired off the first open mic um uh I, okay I did the one open mic that I got hired that they hired me to MC in eight weeks, she said, you're going to open for, um, Kevin Nealon from Saturday night live. Oh, and wow. yeah, as an MC here at this, and it was the a room, the comedy cafe in DC it was an a room. So I got work right away from that. And he ended up not doing it. Uh, I ended up working with the amazing Jonathan, who's a very funny magic act, magic comedian, magician. He's, he does magic, <laughs> but it's kind of BS. And <laughs> it's it's more funny. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And all his tricks don't work and it's really funny. <laughs> so I'd been doing comedy, I guess about eight weeks. All right. My first big, uh, gig, I, you know, I, it's the weekend, yeah. a room weekend, set Friday, Saturday, I'm opening for the amazing Jonathan. And I got my family and friends. This place seats a couple hundred people. I'd never been in front of more than 20 and I, I'm the MC, so I'm supposed to do like five minutes, which is fine. I had about seven minutes of material, but it probably not all of it was good, but that's okay. I'm about to go on stage and Pat, the club owner, pulls me over and goes, uh, our feature act didn't come in, so you're going to have to stretch. <laughs> oh, wow. And I thought, oh, my God. I, got, I, I mean, like we're talking to stretch 20 to 20, 25 minutes, you know, <laughs> and I yeah. went up there and thank God it was a hot crowd because I started – I was, my knees were shaking. I was that scared. Uh, and I was just doing audience work and throwing in my jokes and this and that. And, um, uh, after about 20 minutes, the light, the little light that shines on you, tell you, you can get off stage. The light popped on. And I went, oh, thank God she found a feature act, a local guy. And I remember thinking partway through, I can put this microphone down. I'm not a comedian. You know, <laughs> I have a right. marketing job. I don't have to do this, but I stayed with it. I saw the light come on and I think, I think I gave the guy, Greg Poole, the worst introduction ever. <laughs> I got off stage and he get, all I remember is him getting on stage and going, well, that was kind of a bad introduction. <laughs> so I was so happy to get off stage. I was so like, oh my God, I'm so relieved. And so Greg did a great job. Um, he was a local guy from Maryland. He literally got down there in 15 minutes to do the gig. And wow. he did it. And then Jonathan went on. He was great, but he has these magic tricks and they're just funny and they don't work and all this. He gets down to his last trick and he goes, Hey, can we have the comedian, the MC come up here and do a few minutes? I uh, left my last trick in the car. 
And I'm standing there staring at these hundreds of people thinking, I I got nothing else. I did everything I had. I got nothing. And just then Greg taps me on the shoulder and goes, you want me to do it? And I said, yes. (laughs) He ran up there and and saved me because if I had to go back up, I probably would never be doing comedy again. I was, I would have been freaked out. Uh, So it went, it went great. The rest of the weekend went great. Got work. It was, yeah, it was a fun, fun, fun launch. Interesting Uh. launch. And I mean, you were nervous, obviously, during that. That didn't set you back into your kind of stops from before. You still felt confident to move forward. Oh yeah, it, w- it was uh, after that. I just started getting a lot of work and realizing, um, you know, it's part of the gig. You're going to get nervous. You're going to get weird crowds, crazy crowds. Um, worked at my day job for a couple, about two and a half years, and launched into full time stand up. Nice. And, and because how- I had my, because I had my day job. Um, I was, I would run conferences and stuff like that and part mm-hmm. of it. And I remember at one event, I had been working, you know, comedy clubs for a couple of years. And at one event we hired the Capitol steps, which is a singing troupe in, um, in DC. I think they're all around the country now. Um, they have a touring troupe. They're from uh, their staffers on Capitol Hill and they, um, do so- song parodies and they're really funny. Um, mm-hmm. they're very well known. We hired them. This is 25 years ago. And I remember giving them a check, a huge check for me. It was huge. It was, you know, 10,000 bucks, I think something like that, uh, 25 years ago. And I'm thinking, wow, they're making a lot of money at this corporate work. And I'm thinking, well, is there other corporate work out there? And my comedian friends were like, no, there's just Christmas parties, you know? And I was like, no, I really think there's, there's other events. And so that's what kind of, I've got in the comedy clubs, went full-time in that, but kind of kept my eye on corporate events and, thinking that's kind of where I want to go. So that helped me get in the marketing job. Yeah. And then did you end up finding corporate jobs or did you? Yeah. Yeah. I worked on the road uh, doing comedy clubs, but always kept stayed uh, clean act and everything and kind of thought, you know, I think there's money in this corporate stuff. And by a fluke, a couple of flukish things happened while I was working mm-hmm. and I ended up with corporate. One of them was I called a guy in, um, I called a comedy club in Iowa. I was in New Jersey working and I wanted this gig in Iowa. I called the club and I got the guy on the phone, Keith West. And he said, well, I don't, I split with my partner in the club. He took the comedy club. He goes, I do corporate shows. Are you clean? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I don't have any women or many women doing clean comedy for these corporate shows. Send me Mm -hmm. a videotape. And I did. And then he liked it. He, so for three, Chris, three Decembers, he would, every December for three years, he would bring me out and I'd um, it'd be uh, two weeks of just doing Christmas parties. And I did, I said, I don't care how much money I make for these. I would do them night two, one or two or three a night for like mm-hmm. five or six nights or whatever. And I said, I don't care how much money I make. What I want is a, um, a letter saying that they enjoyed it because I need it for my marketing so I can get more corporate. So he really helped launch me. He and uh, my friend, Frank King, uh, who also got me in touch with some uh, uh, speakers, bureaus and bookers um, really helped launch me into corporate. That's nice. And then I know you mentioned earlier too, about the audience. You've mentioned a few times about having kind of a hot audience or a good audience. How important is the audience into your acts? Well, I don't uh, do a lot of audience work, um, but yeah, you want, you know, you want to make sure you connect with the audience and get a group that um, you'll connect with. 
Uh, audiences are different. You know, people laugh uh, differently. Um, you know, I've been in front of accountants who aren't as vocal, but they're still having a great time. I've been in front of salespeople who are always laughing and, you know, having fun. And, um, and they're usually pretty vocal. So, you know, it, you want that. I mean, obviously you want people laughing and, but you got to kind of know that, okay, if they're whatever, what their industry is, they may be a little more reserved accountants, you know, right. a little quieter um, than, uh, than healthcare people. Healthcare people are great. They're usually lots of laugh. Yeah. So. And so do you tailor your acts specifically for each type of corporation you know, or each type of audience? Yeah, I have a conference call ahead of people. Now I do more keynotes than uh, comedy shows. So I have a message, okay. and that. but I do uh, have a conference call with the client ahead of time. And then I um, include some stuff on them. The basic bones of the act are the same. Um, you'll find that across pretty much everyone. There's not a lot of people who yeah. have five hours of material, you know, right. um, unless, unless you get famous and then you got to come up with five hours of material. But if you're not famous like me, you don't have to worry so much about that. Um, but you can, uh, but then I tailor the jokes and write, you know, kick off with a few minutes on them so you, that they know that I know what they're going through and what they're dealing with. And that's, and it's always right. fun. It's interesting to me to find out about these different industries. You know, most people work their spend their whole career in one, maybe two industries and I'm in, you know, 25 or 30 industries. <laughs> so right. And then what are the major differences maybe between kind of the stand-up work you were doing prior to now the corporate and then even the keynote addresses yeah. that you do now? What are the what? differences between those? Well, what I started doing with the keynotes was because back in 2008 with the recession and everything, people still wanted mm -hmm. to hire comedians, but they needed a message to justify it. So I uh, came up with a keynote that's been really popular called Finding the Funny in Change, where I talk, tell them how to use humor to handle change. Um, and so what I do, I kick off with some humor, and then I uh, talk in the keynote about how to use humor in business, and I kind of refer back to the jokes in the beginning and say, hey, what did I do here? What did I do here? And it's very effective and a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think the one of the main differences is I never go on at uh, – you know, 10 o'clock at night anymore. <laughs> right. They've been drinking. I rarely, I'd say rarely, not ever, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually doing something, kick off the conference, uh, maybe in the middle of the conference or at the end, but it's usually a daytime thing, which right. is, I, I love it. It's, you know, I'm, I've done my share of late nights and weekends and there's not a lot of that with this. So, <laughs> and I get the MC stuff too. I'm master of ceremonies at a lot of, uh, um, events and that's fun too. I get my, my, Phil of jumping up and having some fun with comedy and uh, in between all the sometimes dry speakers. <laughs> um, and do you want to walk us through your process of how you come up with your sets or your jokes, like the writing well, process? Do you have to sit down and write them first or do you just kind of walk around? Well, and It's, you know, it's uh, when you, I think when you first start out, you kind of just look around, excuse me, look around and go, Oh, that sign is funny. I'll write that. And now it's more of a, I don't know. I try to spend a little time each day or at least each week. I make notes on my phone of things that kind of I'm what's going on and what do I feel about it? Really comedy is from your perspective and um, getting that aha moment where people get what you're saying, you know, right. pulling out the ironies and um, the disconnects and the things that aren't making sense in the world. So for my process is sort of a, you know, I try to set aside some time, but also uh, just kind of, always be looking for the humor and um you know and and you really come up with um 
talking about humor from you know your own experiences as opposed to just uh i get like i said when you first start out your 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 act may be very disconnected because you're talking about that's funny sign and this fun you know now my act is about it really has my fingerprint on it my stamp you know mm -hmm. talking about things that are personal things i've experienced uh my perspective my take on stuff you know so it's evolved a little bit i used to write a lot of uh topical I, I sell a ton of material too i used to anyway um i don't do it as much because i'm too busy but uh i've sold to you know everyone from the tonight show to greeting cards uh radio syndicated cartoon strips guests on the jerry springer show <laughs> so oh, a lot wow. of, uh to people and so that's where i kind of and so i write a lot used to write a ton of topical jokes you know on the news stories and i started out my act trying to write make it news stories and topical but that's so hard to keep up with i mean yeah. i mean that you just can't but you can always have you know there's always going to be some stupid drunk um uh celebrity so you can just change right. the name you know you just change the name <laughs> or the, the incident and you can reuse that joke in another year you know <laughs> and how do you sell that kind of stuff like how do you do you find people do people find you how do you uh, people find me now people are finding me um you know i've got a website uh comedy um well that's comedy mc that's the other one um jokewriter.com joke-writer.com and uh people are finding me um I got connected with a writing uh, a group. I wrote a lot of radio stuff for radio year for years, about 10 years. I wrote um, 15 jokes a day for hundreds of radio stations. And it was a sort of prep, a prep service, you know, um, DJs come in in the morning. They don't have, uh, you know, they're in at four in the morning. They don't have the news stories all lined up. So um, right. they subscribe to different prep services to give them news stories and stuff like that. And I would write okay. some humor for those. Wow. So comedy sounds like it has a lot of variety. There's a lot of different ways that you can approach yeah, it. Yeah, that you can approach it, that you can make a living at it. People always, God, when I started out, everyone kept saying, oh, you're going to get a sitcom. And I never wanted to get a sitcom. I, I, right. I didn't really even want to be on staff as a writer. I mean, they make good money, but I just always want like the freedom of freelance. Um, right. And there's, you know, people, now they're going, learning about this corporate market, but for years, people could not even get their head around what I was doing. And it was like, well, mm -hmm. that's fine because I'll just make all the money. And the corporate work <laughs> way better, paid way better. You're not, you know, Comedy Club runs was running Tuesday through Sunday. And, you know, you're driving usually 50,000 miles a year now. You fly out, do the event, fly back. So it's a lot less travel, a lot less wear and tear, a little more, a lot more money, better accommodations. Um, all that sort of stuff. So it's just, but people didn't know what that was. So, you know, if you're looking for whatever career you're looking for, don't, again, don't think outside, don't think inside the box. I mean, I hate that word mm -hmm. outside the box, but I know, <laughs> but don't just narrow it down to what everyone says you should do. Keep your eyes open to the other things. Cause there's so many things I didn't know I could write for, and I didn't know I could, um, you know, do these comedy for emceeing for, um, but if you just think comedy clubs and that's it, you're not, and, and, and make sure you network people ask tons of questions. Um, I would ask every, every comedian I worked with, I would ask tons of what are you doing and how do you do it and how long you've been doing this? And, um, and you know, people will help you out. I mean, they'll, or they'll tell you what they've done or whatever. And, um, yeah, so ask, I asked a lot of questions when I started out. <laughs> I still do.
Yeah, I think that was something that was surprising to me is how many people are willing to help you on your journey. I think I was always nervous. I was more of an introvert. I was super scared to ask people how to get places and what to do and network. And it's amazing. Almost everybody you reach out to is pretty warm and friendly about yeah, it. There are a few, are. But. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are always, I mean, like, you know, I've had people point blank, well, what is the service you write for? Well, no, I'm not going to give you that because I don't know you. And I'm not going to, you know, I had one guy right. years ago who guessed the service and then went over to them and used my name. And I had to oh, call wow. the service and say, no, I, you know, I don't hardly know this guy and he shouldn't have used my name. And, um, he guessed what it was. I never said what it was. And, um, and you know, you have people that try to go around you and people that point blank, will you do this? And, no, but if you want just information, then go do it. Your, then get the information and then go figure it out yourself. And, right. you know, but pe but if you become friends with people, a lot of times they, they will even open up more, yeah. but not if you push yourself on them. You know? <laughs> yeah. And do you have any advice for young people now that maybe are trying to get into comedy? Um, a couple of things. Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, network, 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 just get out there and meet people. Um, and it's easier than ever to do now, you know, but also right. uh, a bit of advice. My friend, Rob Duffett, who was a comedian that started with me, he worked with a really great comedian, Jonathan Katz. And this is 20 years ago. Jonathan had a very popular, um, show on, it was a cartoon on television and he was a therapist and he would have other comedians come in and lay on his couch and do their, their, um, act. It was very funny. And, you know, the therapy sessions and everything. And Rob asked him, Jonathan, what advice were you given? He gave us the best advice. He said, create your own projects. Don't wait for other people to come at you, create your, mm -hmm. come up with the ideas. And then the other bit of advice I got from a really great comedian, uh, Lord Corrette. I know I don't have any of my own advice, but these are people that have really helped me out. <laughs> Lord yeah. Corrette, funny guy. He's, I think he's in New York now. He gave me, uh, he said, when I was emceeing, he said, Jan, First of all, stay as an MC as long as you can. Stay at the bottom. Most people want to push oh, forward yeah. and get ahead fast, but you're not ready. And and it will show. He said most comedians don't want to be the MC. They want to be the feature act. Well, you got to have 30 minutes, not 10 if you're the feature. Right. And a lot of comedians barely get to the feature act and then they get stuck as a feature because they can barely do that. They'll never move to headliner. He said instead put together two 15-minute sets, a really strong to be uh, – two 15 minute MC sets, put those together and then you'll blast through the 30 minute feature slot and you'll be headlining. And I did that. And right. it was great. Also as an MC, you learn more. I mean, you work with bigger names, you know, you don't, if you race to be the headliner. All of a sudden you're the, the person on the show that's got to have the most of the contacts, you know, right. <laughs> as an MC, I worked with all the big headliners and feature acts that had contacts and could help me. And so it was just great, a great learning set experience to so stay at the bottom as long as you can stand it. You know, he said, you, you're not going to be stuck there. If you're funny, if you're good, people will realize it and they'll recognize it and move you forward. So don't, don't push to push, of course, but don't, I, uh, you know, you're some people that like, and if you like being at the bottom, fine, but, <laughs> but <laughs> stay there. I mean, stay whatever level, but if, but don't push yourself before you're really ready to get out. I like that advice because it seems counterintuitive, I think, especially in the U.S. where we have this idea that we're supposed to push ahead at all costs and get to the top. Right, um, right. And, and kind of taking your time and really honing the craft first. Yeah. Like and, and, 
Yeah. And, and don't, uh, and figure out what success is to you seriously, because so many people, when right. I got to LA, I was, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe I want to do sitcoms. Well, I realized pretty quick, I, I don't know if that's for me acting and all that. So, you know, my success to me was being able to have sort of a nine to five comedy career where I could have weekends and nights and have a regular life. I made enough money to, you know, uh, afford the lifestyle I want. And I don't care. I didn't care about the fame and the, the fortune. Maybe I missed a boat on something, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's been a great ride and still is. So 25 years and, you know, doing great. So I can't complain. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have the longevity in a career where sometimes you get famous and it's a little bit shorter or well, there's definitely you get downsides. You, you get yeah. famous too fast too. And you, and you don't know how to handle that. And then you, you're flashing the pan, you know? So, right. When you mentioned too about staying the MC, if people wanted to stay there at that level, there's also that too. That could be success oh, yeah. for somebody, especially if it's a hobby and not exactly right. You know, a right. side job or something they're just kind of doing on the side instead of the main focus. So there's yeah. all kinds of versions of success. There are. I knew guys that liked the feature slot because it's the easiest slot. It didn't pay great. You, most people wanted the headlining money because it paid better, but yeah. the feature slot they would they liked being in there because they did their 30 minutes. It was, you didn't have to open the show to a cold audience. You did, weren't responsible for closing it where right. everyone had to be, you had to be good. Right. Right. That's the best. That's the funnest slot on the whole show. I guarantee you it's a, it, it's, it's fun. And so there were guys that just, I like it here <laughs> and <laughs> you know, good for them. If you, but figure out what it is, what you want out of it. I mean, you know, that'll help, that'll help you guide toward the path, but keep open to other things that pop up your way that you may not have been on your radar. Yeah. Especially now where I think a lot of new jobs are created, like there's new content every day, new ways to present, like who would have thought TikTok would be a big place <laughs> for like comedy, but it is all of a sudden, right? I know. I was trying to figure TikTok out and my, uh, my friend's daughter was like, Jan, stop it. That's for, that's for 16 year olds or whatever. Not anymore, <laughs> but I want to try it. <laughs> I know I had all my students told me to join TikTok to kind of promote this podcast and I got on it and all of a sudden, like there's all these older people, like it's all coming at me, like all these over 30 groups of people, because that's obviously who I identify with. So there's tons that's of fun. different people on there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's growing, but. Well, great. Do you have any last minute kind of advice that I know we just went over a ton of advice, but no, just, uh, you know, uh, people talk about dirty comedy versus clean comedy. You know, the only rule with oh, comedy yeah. is, is, is be funny. You gotta be funny. Be yourself. <laughs> um, you know, if you cuss a lot, make sure you, you're not just cussing to cuss. I mean, or telling, you know, make sure there's a punchline when you write your right. material, make sure there's a punchline. But then say it the way you would say it. People are paying for your perspective and um, your take on it. Now, you know, if you're dirty, you're not going to work the same venues I will, but you'll find your niche. I mean, you'll find your following. You'll find the people that like you. Uh, don't, you know, you got to be true to yourself and do the stuff that you really enjoy. So, um, and it's, it's not fun if you're just trying to always mold yourself. I saw a guy, year, I, used to work, uh, I, I used to work with him at the uh, Comedy and Magic Club here in L.A., very funny act, very funny. And he tried for years to get on one of the late night shows and he was never, he had a character and it was so good. And, um, 
he never did it. He never got on the late night shows. So one, a couple of years ago, I saw him and he was trying again to get on late night, but he changed his whole character to just, just being stand up as opposed to, and, and I don't know if he ever got on the shows, but I just saw, saw it and thought, Oh, that's such a shame. It wasn't as funny. And I just loved his character. So yeah. do what you think is funny. And, you know, but maybe his, his entire goal in life was to get on. Um, and I don't have lost touch with the guy. I haven't talked to him in a while, but, uh, maybe his whole, you know, maybe that was his whole focus. So he didn't care that he was changing his character, but boy, I liked his character, you know? So. Yeah. So well, figure out your goal, you know, figure start <laughs> to figure out what it is you want out of this and, you know, maybe, uh, and again, keep your, keep your eyes peeled for other opportunities and things that, and don't be afraid to go down a path. If someone says, Hey, have you ever done this? You know, and if it sounds interesting, try yeah. it, give it a shot. Yeah. Well, don't just try do. I mean, you got yeah. <laughs> put, put that work into it. And, and if it really sounds like something and you may, you know, like I was uh, asked to be an imposter years ago and uh, the people that pretend like they're, you know, the hotel woman from the hotel welcoming the, um, the attendees. And then you get funnier and funnier and you start to bash the, the, um, <laughs> boss or stuff like that until everyone realizes you're a comedian. I've done that. <laughs> sometimes it's worked. Sometimes it hasn't because I wasn't really into it. I did it only because the client said, we want you to do it. And yeah. I was young and I didn't have the guts to say, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want people to know I'm a comedian and have license to laugh. Um, so I, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I should have turned it down and now I would turn down imposter because it, it's not something I want to even put the energy into doing. There are people who are very good. They make a lot of money doing it. I don't really want to do it. Right. But sometimes it takes doing it to know that you don't want to do it. Right. Right. And, and the first time I did it went great. And like it went great, then went awful, then great, then aw then awful was the last one. I was like, that's it. You know, like, <laughs> I was lucky on those two greats. I'm done with it. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. But can I plug my websites and stuff? I don't Absolutely. Know yeah. Uh, here, yeah. Um, yeah my main, main website is theworklady.com uh, because yeah. nobody can spell McInnes. So I, I used to do tons <laughs> of work humor. So I guess I'm the work at home lady now, but theworklady.com. And the comedy MC is for my uh, master of ceremonies and uh, health comedian. Cause I do a lot of healthcare and jokewriter.com is my joke writing. So lots of websites. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we can check those out and then we'll put them in all of our social media and stuff too. So people can link directly to it. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, Of course. Well, thank you so much for being on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. So uh, take care and uh, let me know the links. I will, um, I will, I will tag or whatever, hashtag or whatever I'm supposed to do. <laughs> whatever it's <laughs> called nowadays. Yep. <laughs>